This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. All right, welcome to Pardon the Corruption. Uh, my guest today is James Hollis. You know him as Snotty Drippin' on Twitter. And uh, he's uh, shining as an obscene Celtics logo. That's because he's a Celtics fan. I'm not sure what he's doing on the show, but here we are. The Celtics did beat the Raptors 126-114 in what can best be described as a mild upset because Kemba Walker and uh, uh, Marcus Smart were not Mark. playing, but that did not stop the Celtics from um stating their dominance or or reiterating or emphasizing their dominance on the Raptors as they beat them uh, rather convincingly, really, at the end. Um, James, you're a Celtics fan, so let's get the gloating out of the way in the first minute. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Go ahead. Do it, man. Uh, so I'm not going to really gloat. Uh, obviously, I'm going to respect your show and your audience. Um, I mean, obviously, the superior team won. Uh, we showed in the playoffs last year that we were vastly superior. The gulf opened up a little bit wider. So it's like, I'm not going to punch down and gloat now. Now, seriously, um, I, I'm pretty shocked by the uh, results. Uh, so it was a good win for the Celtics. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Raptors, obviously, because this is not what I expected at all from Toronto this season. Well, the, the, the Raptors did lose two big guys uh, in, in the offseason, Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka. I mean, arguably, you know, you know, all-star level players, and they replaced them with Aaron Baines and Chris Boucher. Mm. I mean, when, when you saw that happening, I mean, you, you kind of already knew. You didn't really need to watch this game to know that the Raptors have taken a step back this year just on account of the personnel changes. Yeah, so let's let's not all star level players. Mark hasn't been an all star since like 2000, what 13, 12, whatever. Uh, Serge, I don't think has ever been an all star, but you know he's a, he's a great defender. He's a very strong defender. Uh, obviously, Serge, I think, was a bigger loss than Mark because um, we saw in the playoffs. Mark sometimes was almost unplayable last year. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't think I knew it'd be a step back. I didn't think we'd see what we're seeing right now, where it seemed like the Raptors are kind of unraveling. Um, I did not expect them to be, you know, one of the one of the two teams in the league with only one win. Um, they're towards the bottom of the league in net rating, uh, you know, offensive rating. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a surprise. So this game didn't go the way I think I thought it was going to go. And you kind of made a point that when, when we were talking offline that there's, there's a lack of energy around the Raptors. And you said like last year. Maybe the sum of the parts was greater than the whole, actually. And, and the Raptors got more out of the people they had than what they appear to be getting this year. Like, what did you, what did you, what did you observe there? So last year, I had, uh, you know, as a Celtics fan, I had a grudge and respect for what, the, for what the Raptors did. I didn't think that they'd be as good as they were going into the season last year. Uh, they seemed like they almost hardly missed a beat without Kawhi as far as regular season-wise. 
Pascal took a big step forward. Uh, Kyle Lowry is such a strong leader, and it's still a great play on the court. Um, and this last year, they seemed to almost have to really band together, you know, um, all in together. You know, everyone played for each other. They played hard. The bench guys came in and did the exact same thing. Uh, Nick Nurse was hailed, rightfully so, as like a, you know, a genius young coach. Uh, very creative defensive uh, schemes. And uh, yeah, this year, it's just, it's completely different. Uh, I feel almost like maybe like uh, there was like a honeymoon period after the championship, right? I mean, hey, let's, any team wins a championship, they get every right to be happy. But they didn't get, they didn't get, uh, they didn't seem like they were satisfied. And they played extra hungry the, ne- the next year. And somehow I feel like that energy is starting to wear off a little bit. And like that magic starting to wear off a little bit. And we're starting to see some, uh, some cracks in the armor, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, interesting to watch. It's fascinating. And the Raptors defensively, I mean, I was on Twitter for this game and I, and I broke down a few clips and you saw the Raptors really try to switch aggressively on pretty much every single possession and get caught on big on small matchups. And Siakam was guarding, uh, what's what's the point guard? Pritchard. Uh, uh, Pritchard, yeah. And, uh, and you know, he got baked by him on the, in the, you know, off the dribble. And then some other guy came in. The rotation was late. Offensive rebounds everywhere. So the overhelping seems to be hurting the Raptors, where previously they had the personnel to kind of overhelp and recover. This year, mm-hmm. it seems to be overhelp and then pay the price. Uh, and that's where Serge Ibaka, I think, comes in. And even Mark, because Mark is such a smart player. Positionally, he was a very strong defender, right? He, he really couldn't move very well. Last year, but he just knew where to be. He was like the quarterback of that defense. And then Ibaka was still a strong, uh, a little bit, you know, not a, a little more mobile than Mark. Still really couldn't switch out, but he he did, you know, he was Ibaka. Um, and just having those two guys gone and Boucher, you know, Boucher is not getting it done. Boucher? Boucher. Boucher. Yeah, Boucher is not, uh, he, he's not showing like really good defensive chops, even with his length and his, his wingspan. It's uh, and it's a domino effect. It all seems like it's you know because of that. Like you said, everyone else is over rotating. Everyone else is maybe over committing a little bit. And then uh, the rotations last year was like clockwork, clockwork. You could see this team just boom, boom. Uh, that's why that playoff series was so great, right? Because uh, once uh, Toronto locked in, even with the small backcourt, like they really played with effort and intensity and like precision. And we're not seeing that this year. And I, I don't quite understand why. Well, well I, I think part of it really is the fact that when you when you are so stretched on defense, fourth quarter comes, you're going to get tired. And when you get tired legs, you can't really defend no matter how good you may be from a talent perspective defensively because you're overstretched. And then like going going on to the other side of the court, obviously Siakam has been a big talking point and you saw today why. I mean, there were a few plays here. I mean, he had a couple of nice plays. He had the dunk and then he had a three-point play. Uh, but you saw instances where he just looks lost. There was one one play where I think he had Pritchard on him in the block, one-on-one, alone, under the basket, and he traveled, right? So that situational awareness seems to be missing from the guy. Like, as an outsider, what have you observed about Siakam? Is there a difference over the last year that you've seen something has changed? or Because you bring maybe a fresh perspective to this, because the Raptor fans are, I find, a little too overcritical of Siakam at this point. Just because it's the first year where this really is his team, what have you observed uh, on Siakam's game? Uh, I've observed this this incredible live wire, this incredible ascent. He came up so fast, and he seemed to really be growing and taking that mantle of being a, you know, uh, he was an all-star last year, and he looked like it, you know, 23, 25 points a game. It's uh, some some really big offensive explosion, unstoppable in the in the fast, in the uh, open court. Um, but then I think that teams get, film on a guy 
and they come up with a game plan because he is that guy now, right? Lowry's great, Fred VanVleet's great, but he was that focal point offensively, sort of. Um, and the game plan was obviously build the wall, don't let him get up, get up to speed. And um, if, correct me if I'm wrong, going to the bubble, he said he didn't touch the basketball for like two months, right? He 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 didn't really say he, he I didn't yeah. touch the basketball for months. He was in his, his condo rhythm, locked up. Yeah, so his rhythm his rhythm obviously was off. He you know he was he fell back behind. And he never got back up to speed. And then, you know, we have a short turnaround. And honestly, let's be, let's be, I think the big thing with him, confidence, right? For, for upper level at basketball player, all basketball players actually, confidence is such a huge thing. And he, I feel like coming into the bubble, being unprepared and not being up to speed shook his confidence. Then playing the, the Celtics were, were, were basically built to play a guy like him with a lot of long athletes, uh, very smart discipline defense, broke his confidence a little more. And it seems like he still is trying to catch back up. And now he's kind of caught in between where we saw flashes, like you said tonight, but the jumper still doesn't look good. He doesn't look very assertive sometimes. He takes too long. He's plotting. He's thinking. You can see he's thinking out there. And that's not that's not going to get it done. So I feel like a big part of it is confidence right now with Siakam. And, and man, you, you make a great point because, you know, sometimes you play on teams where there are other great players who, when they play well, you get your confidence from them. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like it's almost transfers over. You see, you, you see your boy doing something great on the court. You kind of pick up on that and you start upping your game up a little. Right now for the Raptors, they don't really have another guy Siakam can kind of look up to and kind of ride the coattails a little bit and kind of bring that confidence up. The only guy that's playing kind of relatively well has been Fred Van Vliet uh, from a guard position, but everybody else is sort of taking a step back. I guess the only other guy, maybe you haven't seen him much this year, but Chris Boucher has had a pretty good start to the season except yeah. this game. But there's nobody else on the team that Siakam can kind of kind of look up to to build that confidence so let me ask you this and you you, you know boy better than i i do but from the outside looking in i always felt that kyle lowry was kind of the soul you know like marcus smart is the heart and soul of boston he's not the best player no. kyle lowry is actually their best player and he's their heart and soul right he kind of passes around the butt to get him going mm-hmm. he's kind of like the rallies around him mm-hmm. what's going on there because up until now it seemed like that was that was working and now is it, is he not reaching siakam did something change well, I, I think Lowry is a guy who, I mean, first of all, Lowry's overplayed already. Like one of the mm. plans for this season was to actually reduce Lowry's minutes from like 36.2 he averaged last year down to like maybe low 30s, even maybe mm. under 30. So he gets some rest. Instead, what's happened, it's the opposite because everybody else is playing so poorly that Lowry needs to be extended. He's averaging like 37 and a half minutes a game this year, which is more than last year. So the plan of resting Lowry has just gone out the window and instead we're overplaying him. And Lowry's never been a, like he definitely is the emotional leader of the Raptors. I think he, he tries to reach out to players, tries to big them up and all that. But I'm talking about carrying scoring weight on the team mm. like there's Lowry's never been like a guy who will carry your entire scoring weight and so so other guys can take maybe a night off he's more of a leader assist guy you know make sure everybody's up but he's not going to carry your team from a scoring perspective night in and night out and I feel like now that that pressure of scoring is on Siakam he's taken it like it's weighing him down and it's also affecting affecting the non-scoring parts of his game as we saw on defense uh in, in this game so let me ask again, I'm asking you, and this is a great conversation because I've been wondering about this, but isn't this by design, right? They paid Siakam a max, you know, near max contract, correct? Because they looked at his skill set and, and the way his development was coming and said, all right, well, we're going to gamble that he can be maybe not the, you know, obviously Kyle's still the heart and soul, but the, the, the premium offensive player on a really good team. And last year he was, like, he led the team in scoring. 
Uh, Van Vliet looked like a really good, you know, miniature Robin at least. Yeah. Um, and you know, this year, I guess both of them are shoot, aren't shooting very well. And so, um, so I guess the question is, where do they go now? If they, this is the gamble, and obviously we can't call it failure, right? It's only year two of a, of a I think his extension just kicking in this year, right? Um, or whatever. The point is, like he's still really yeah. young. Uh, he's just just getting used to that role. It, but it's not working out right now. What's the next step? Well, I, well, I think you you asked two questions there, really. I mean, one is like, mm-hmm. like what happened? Isn't this by design? And what to do next? Like, mm-hmm. this is by design. But I think I, I wrote I wrote an article today where it's like I, I felt like three fundamental assumptions that the Raptors took this year have proven wrong. First, their defense is not as good as they thought it was. We're seeing that night in and night out where they're getting blasted on the offensive glass. They're not able to control the boards. Forget about controlling the paint. And, and they can't even run on transition because they can't collect the defensive board uh, quick enough. So that's one. Their defense isn't as good as they thought it might be. Second is Siakam, where they thought maybe that that what we saw against the Celtics in the playoff last season was more of a blip and it would go away and he would kind of mm-hmm. rejuvenate and find himself and become the player that we hope he was. That really hasn't happened. And the third thing that has not held true is their depth. They really are not as deep as a team as we had hoped. Guys like Norman Powell are falling short. Uh, Matt Thomas is a guy that we kind of relied on to, to, to give us some uh, some points and three-point shooting. He hasn't really played much. Uh, you have Terrence Davis, who's had like legal problems off the court. You, you saw at the mm-hmm. end of the game today where we, we, we almost came back like to 10 and, he's, and he messed up twice. So he's not, he's not in the right headspace. Uh, uh, Malachi Flynn isn't getting much playing time. He got a little bit today for the first time all season. Uh, mm. Fred, so so all what what all this has done, all these underperforming bench players, what this has done is that it's put even more pressure on the starters to actually produce more. And hence, you see Kyle Lowry getting extended, Fred Van Vliet basically taking every shot that's on offer. So the Raptors, it's almost like their plan A, B, and C haven't really worked. So now they're on to like plan D, which is just like, I don't know, man, Fred, shoot the ball. Yeah, yeah, way in a prayer. Yeah. Um, And and as for your other question, like what to do next? I don't know. Maybe this is a year where you just kind of acknowledge to yourself that you're not going to compete in the East because we're still kind of telling ourselves the story that we may, you know, we, 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 we will make it to the playoffs, maybe win the first round easily. Then second round, you might do something. Maybe it's time to actually call this a development year because that's what it sort of looks like at least six, seven games in. Um, so, and, and this is what's so fascinating. I'm not going to gloat. I'm not going to do the Celtics fan thing here, but last year it was, wow, Nick Nurse is a genius. Nick Nurse is the third, second, maybe one, it may be arguably the best coach in the NBA. And he earned that right. So I'm not talking crap. I'm not talking trash about him. Um, we are seeing 25, well, how many games is it now? Uh, six, six, seven games. Yeah. All right. Um, so there's a lot of basketball left to be played. And he has, you know, he's obviously feeling things out, but uh, this is going to test that kind of that level of genius, right? You got you to come up with a scheme with a personnel you have. Fascinating, again, to me, is that uh, I think when you look at team building, we saw they brought Kawhi in, boom, it happened. There, you need a tent pole player, you know? Uh, you, need a, you need a sun for your, the rest of your players to orbit around. You have a, whatever you got to do, you know? Like, look, the Lakers got two guys, two super-duper stars. And everything comes off of them. You need, if you're going to be an effective team and compete, you you, you want a high-level star for everyone else to play off of. And obviously, you say, I can have that guy. Kyle Lowry, I don't think can he can play on the guy in spurts. He's not that guy. Van Vliet's not that guy. So how do you build a team 
that shares the ball and shares the energy they had last year without that singular talent, you know? And it's, I think Raptors last year seemed to kind of disprove that you needed that guy. But, you know, as we get further away from that championship and that energy, and the energy sort of turns now and they're kind of all looking at each other, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating to watch. Matt, the, so, only, um, yeah. Sorry, the only team that I that, that that I think won a title without a legit star player was mm. in the last 20 years, maybe, is the 2004 Detroit Pistons. Um, I, we, we can say that, but Ben Wallace was a defensive star, superstar. Yeah, but well, I'm saying not he's the, not a tent. Not, we're kind of getting sidetracked. But I'm saying like there has well, been some precedent on on teams winning titles without a marquee offensive player. Uh, you're saying offensive player. I'm saying star. Doesn't have okay. to be offense necessarily, right? Because Ben Simmons, Ben Ben Wallace was a legitimate superstar, and then Chauncey Billups had that charisma, that kind of uh, that kind of Kyle Lowry factor, where he was really good and he could play like superstar at times, but he just kind of rallied by around him. So you're right. We're, we're getting lost in the conversation. Um, but right now, there is no defensive or offensive superstar. Right, you know, right. In, in, and, in Toronto, and, so. You brought up Nick Nurse, right? And and I think, I mean, coach, coaches are only as good as the players that they have. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be Phil Jackson or Pat Riley or pick your guy, right? I mean, th- those guys all had like superstar players and they knew how to kind of blend all those players together from a personality perspective almost more than a basketball perspective. Now, Nick, I, like, I don't have any qualms about Nick Nurse. I mean, he's a coach, and, like, if you give him talent, I think he's proven that he can make that talent work. I, I just don't think he, he – he may not have the right amount of talent on this team to make it work. But going back to your question on how do you get that tentpole player, well, the Raptors, by design, and this is stated by Masai Ujiri as part of their strategy in team development, is that we are a team – that will will always have enough assets out there on our on our balance sheet, so that when an, when a, when an opportunity comes along, we will have we we will not be outsiders to that opportunity, and we will be able to compete when that opportunity pops up. And that's that's what that's exactly what happened with Kawhi Leonard. An opportunity mm-hmm. popped up. He was unhappy in San Antonio, and boom, the Raptors got him. Rest is history. That's why I think people see that example of Kawhi Leonard, and then they apply that to the race recent. Uh, trade rumors with James Harden because they go, well, this is almost exactly that strategy where you have a guy who's unhappy, who's a tier one player in the league. He's the guy you got to go after. That is the answer to your question of how do you acquire a top tier player who you can build a championship around? Now, obviously the Raptors have so far been unsuccessful in acquiring such a player. Uh, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on Harden? Like, is that something that, like, would you, would you, would you have him? I know Boston was interested in that with Jalen Brown. Would you, would you see the? Should the Raptors have made that move with uh, Siakam and possibly OG going the other way to get uh, someone like Harden? So I'm going to be biased here. Um, I, you could tell me if I'm way off. As a Celtics fan, and you, you could probably agree with this. As a Celtics fan, I like the fact that they drafted Jalen Brown. I was with them since they drafted him. And even though I know he'll never be as good as James Harden is right now, the fact that him and Marcus Smart are like the homegrown guys, I enjoy watching them play. They mean something to me. James Harden won't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. And sure, he'll, he'll help them compete. They might even get to the finals. And that's, that's great. But he's there for two years and he's gone. And then you're, you're starting over again, kind of with Jason Tatum and, and whatever scraps you got when James Harden leaves. I don't like that the way that sounds. 
Um, I'm not very thirsty for a championship as a fan. I know some fans just say, whatever you got to do to win a championship, I get it. And I totally understand logically where that comes from. As a Celtics fan, I would not, I wouldn't be happy with it. And sure, once you get the final, I'll be happy. From the Raptors' perspective, um, again, Siakam, on the outside looking in, he's good. He's going to be a good player. He's, he's young enough where you got five, six, seven years left of him playing at a, at a whatever level he reaches. He's going to be better than he is now, I think. He's going to be maybe not as good as he was to start last year, you know, 25, 7, and 4 or whatever. But he's going to fall somewhere in the, in the range where he's going to be a good player. Um, and if you're, if you're, if your goal is championship or bust, Lowry only has another year or two of high level play, you know, um, if that's the goal, I just don't see, like you said, with the defense as it is now, even if you get James Harden, if you can't stop anyone, is that, is that calculated risk worth it? Right. You're getting a top five player. You got him for two, two years, however long, three years, uh, with Kyle Lowry, that's a great start. Do you have the necessary the, the prerequisite pieces around them to even make it matter? So that's where the question comes. And you can tell me more than I can tell you yeah. at that stage. Yeah, I, I, I sort of had convinced myself that, I mean, if, if the goal is to win a title as, you know, as quickly as possible or as responsibly as possible, um, OG going the other way would hurt because Harden would have nobody left to play with really at that point. Uh, That would be the argument against that trade. But overall, am I tied to Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi from like, oh my God, we're losing this talent? No, I don't don't have any like emotional attachment to these players by any means, nor do I think they're going to be like top tier one (laughs) players. You know what I mean? Brutal, man. You're ruthless, man. I mean, I'm I'm calling a spade a spade here. I don't think I don't think this opinion is. Uh, I think everybody thinks this. To be honest with you, I don't think this is, wow. uh, this is a, a a massive opinion. But but, but before we uh, talk about the quick, Raptors a little, yeah, go ahead. Real quick aside. Real quick aside. Are there any players on the Raptors that are just okay? That's 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 a non-starter. I don't want. I lo- I actually love that player. I want. Is it Kyle Lowry that guy that you like? Well, no, Kyle Lowry probably with the other. Uh, if if this season goes down the tank, I mean, Kyle Lowry. I mean, we sort of have to talk about trading him because it might be just better for him uh, to go play. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying as far as hey, we can get James Harden, but they want Kyle Lowry. Is that out of the picture? Oh, I mean, like, no. what's the point? I mean, who who's he going to play with? That's that, that's the thing, right? I mean, I I don't doubt that the Raptors. Um, have the assets to acquire somebody like James Harden. It's just that there's mm. going to be nobody left to play with. Yeah. That, that's the yeah. problem with that uh, with that trade. Uh, you know, man, let's talk a little bit about the Celtics and then come back to the Raptors to round it off. Man, it's scary how good Tatum is at 22. Like sometimes I, I check his age, I, I triple check his age, and then I'm like, 22, man, five more years in the league. He's gonna be he's gonna be mind blowing, and he's only gonna be twenty seven. I, I I don't I can't think back to a player. I mean, I guess I can. I I, I have to go really back um, with that level of talent, with that level of production, that early in his career. Yeah, it's a really good feeling. Uh, then I mean, it's funny because I feel a lot of times people do kind of overlook Jalen Brown because Jalen's a year older and playing, you know, maybe a half step below, but he's there, man. They're great. Yeah. And that's what um, we know that to win at a high level in the NBA, wings are the thing. I say a lot, right? You know, long, switchy, um, can score from different levels. Like you need that at some level to be a contender. And so the fact that we got two of them that play at a high level is, is a great feeling. Um, and it's almost, it's, it's, at this where I'm saying about as far as trade everything to get hardened. 
I'm enjoying the journey right now. And, you know, in a couple of years, maybe things feel different. But right now it's great because we feel like the sky is the limit. You know, I can almost imagine how the Pacers felt with a young Paul George showing so much ta- so much potential at 22, whatever. So, um, yeah, the guy can score from all levels. He's, he's getting taller. Um, getting taller. Black, I can't believe that. He's, he's still getting taller. <laughs> it's incredible. Like tonight, uh, he had a couple of shots. Like he caught that ball in the post. The double was coming. Not no hesitation, spin and shoot. Yeah. And that's what that that's in the future. He'll be he'll be doing that. Like, you know, it's 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 a great feeling. And um yeah, I thought last year the, the Raptors were a really tough competition. And then to see tonight with no Kemba, no smart, and they kind of handled it kind of easily just because of that, you know, those two guys, they they make such a difference and they're putting too much pressure on the defense. So uh it's uh it's it's remarkable to watch him and Jalen Brown. Yeah, and they really have the Raptors number in the backcourt. I mean, I, I wrote about this extensively uh, during the postseason uh, against the Celtics series, is that Tatum in, in the backcourt with Van Vliet at the two is just a nightmare matchup for the Raptors because Nothing the guy can take him in the block. He can, And most forget about the taking him into the block and all that stuff. He can look over him. Like he can Turn navigate, he can yeah. he can look left, right without any problems. He has no vision obstruction, and he's a great passer. So he can pick out players after driving. It's it, the, the Raptors do not. I, I don't see how the Raptors can stop that unless they actually put OG full time on Tatum and then refuse to concede switches because the Raptors switch a lot. And when they switch, they always end up with having a smaller guy on Tatum, which is exactly what the Celtics want. And it's become a little, becoming a little tiresome to watch that. As much as I enjoy Tatum, I will admit, I, 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 I hate the Celtics with, with all my, you know, with my heart and soul, but I do enjoy watching Tatum and, oh God. <laughs> and, uh, but watching him against uh, Van Vliet, it just flat out hurts, man. Yeah, and um, and you know what? Celtics had a similar problem with Kemba last year in the playoffs. Sure, we beat, you know, it was a great series against you guys, and then they played the Heat. And what did the Heat do? They just picked on Kemba. Yeah. And Kemba, I looked at Kemba's numbers. They weren't bad. He scored 19 a game, didn't yeah. shoot incredibly terrible, yeah. but they just picked on him to the point where, like, you know, I, I, I've, I've realized that if the Celtics want to be a, a true contender, I don't know if Kemba Walker can be on the floor. Yeah. Because the best, the best teams are going to just take advantage of that. And have, uh, let's go back to the Raptors. You have not one but two guys. And Kyle Lowry is not a defensive uh, liability at all. We know that, right? Like, yeah. He's like a fire plug. He's strong as a, a horse. He doesn't get picked on. But having two guys like Fred Van Vliet back there, too, is like it's, it makes it – the margin for error is so slim. And I yeah. think, like you said, with those two big guys out of there now who are so smart and can take a race by mistakes, that margin of, that margin's almost gone. And yeah. so that's the next thing. I think actually the Raptors, they could somehow find a defensive big. Aaron Baines is a space eater, and he hasn't been – you can tell me, I don't think he's, he hasn't been that good this year. Um, no, yeah, man, no. I just, mean, and, and w- w- one of the side effects of, of, of not – again, we go back to – I mean, I, I know I call them like all-star level players in Ibaka and yeah. Paul, and technically they're not. I get it. But to the Raptors, they were extremely important players because one of the things both of those guys were very, very good at was pick and roll. The Raptors' pick and roll game is is much weaker this year than it was last mm. year because you had Ibaka as the pop option and Gasol as the roll option. Gasol obviously could, could be used as a pivot guy at the elbow to like you know as as a passer as well. And you mentioned Aaron Baines. Baines doesn't do that. The only thing Baines can do is roll to the rim hard as long mm. as there is relatively little congestion in the paint. Like if there's a guy between him and the paint. 
The guy doesn't have a spin, a great spin move or any any other thing that can like negotiate that. So unless it's a clear path, we're sort of dead in the water. Chris Boucher, if you ask, you know, a hundred Raptor fans right now, I would say, you know, ninety nine of them would rank Chris Boucher as the best big man on offense at least because he he actually has a pop yeah. game. He also blocks a lot of shots. So he's and he, and he's got a decent three point shot. Second, they wouldn't even put Baines. They'll probably put Alex Len just because he's a big guy who wandered. You're cringing, man, but I'm telling you what the reality is, right? He's <laughs> it, so it bad. Is Len number he's two. so he's so bad. Two. He's so bad. And um, so has, and I, again, I haven't been watching Baines and his three point shooting. He he hasn't been making threes. He hasn't been shooting them. Because pick and pop was with, have you with have you uh, I mean you know sometimes my uh, you know my, my daughter took ballet classes uh, a, a while back <laughs> yeah the twinkle toes yeah and she used to like, like do it. a little, little twirl I like I expect Baines <laughs> to do that twirl every time he goes up for a three like he kind of yeah. leans forward it's a little awkward it's not it's not pretty and it certainly is a shot that any defense would be willing uh, for him to take to concede yeah, yeah you know what I mean and, yeah. and that's the thing right the Raptors offense is taking shots that the defense is comfortable with them taking. And that yeah. kind of and I, kind of boils down to that. I guess the last couple of years, though, they were so good at him, right? For obviously with Kawhi, because Kawhi was elite from everyone on the floor. Um, you could get out on the break with uh, Pascal. OG showed that like, last season, at least, was a very capable three-point shooter. Kyle obviously could, you know, score where, mid-range, wherever he needed to. Fred was a, uh, a menace from deep last year. And uh, you know what? I, I get it. It's been a few games. It must look really bad. Yeah. But Raptors fans out there listening, I mean, you, they, they only can go up. They've, we've seen the ceiling of these guys, and it's not this. Um, Van Vliet's going to start making, you know, tonight he played really great, really good offensively. So the shot's coming back. Siakam just has to find a sweet spot to get his confidence back. And, you know, Lowry's always going to be at the, the ringleader. So it's going to look better. The question is how much better. Well, I, 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 I see a fork in the road here, to be honest with you. I, I see this team going in. I don't think standing, uh, maybe give it a, you know, maybe a six or seven, maybe 10 more games and see what mm-hmm. you really got. Because uh, yeah. they always say a quarter of the season is probably a, a one third or a quarter of the season is good enough to see what you got. And at that point at the trade deadline, the Raptors really have to make a decision. Do they have a contender or do they need to kind of retool? And Whatever that decision is, I think we'll see significant change at the deadline if the status quo continues. Because if we do want to compete, then you, you might see the Raptors make a big move, maybe Beal or somebody else or try to do something. And if they don't see that as being a feasible option, then they might just go, OK, let's kind of kind of blow it up and reset with Siakam and Freb and, 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 and gear up for next year or something like that. I don't know. But, but so, status quo uh, seems uh, untenable. Three questions for you. Real easy questions. What do you think you can get for Kyle Lowry at the deadline? If you, like you said, you decide, okay, this isn't working. Lowry, we owe you better than this. Want to get you to a, at least a team that's, you know, kind of contending. Do you have any ideas? Any idea trade well, for that? You, you can certainly get a lot of salary cap relief for him um, because mm-hmm. it's an expiring deal. So you could probably do something there. But from a talent perspective, like you're not going to get a number one guy, obviously, but you still can get a starting NBA player. Right, you're going to get a starter in back. But I, I'm not yeah, even yes. sure if the Raptors trade Kyle Lowry. They necessarily want a mediocre starter. They might just trade him for like picks or something like that to kind of shore up their asset base so that they can make a bigger trade in the future. Maybe maybe that's something that you can do with Kyle Lowry. 
So wow, not even a trade like, hey, we owe him to get him to a, a good team. You just saying, all right, well, we got to move. Oh, no, no, I, I, I think Kyle Lowry has veto over any trade the Raptors propose to him. I, I, I don't know that for sure, but I, I think the way Masai speaks of Lowry, with, with what the fans think of him, uh, I, mm. I think Lowry will decide if he wants to go to another team, and he gets to probably pick from a, from a pick of teams. Okay, second trade, uh, second question: What you think it will take to get Bradley Beal? Um. Bradley Beal, I think, can be had without – well, Siakam would get him, I think. Uh, I, I think Siakam would get him. I, I know we, we just come mm. off a horrible Siakam uh, mm-hmm. game overall, and he's had a poor season. I do think that as a one for – as a centerpiece of the trade, those two should be should be comparable. And then you can throw in a couple of guys here and there, whether it be Malachi Ooh. Flynn or or somebody else. I you, you, I, don't you, know, you, man. I feel I think Bill's is obviously a bill is not on the Kevin Durant uh, level, obviously not on the, uh, you know, not the Kawhi level. Bill is, is that next level of high level player Dame score. He's right there. I, I think, and on, he has a, a lot left on that contract too. Right. So that I think it take, I think it'd take a little more like maybe, maybe it's Jackham and Van Vliet. Which I don't think the money works there because they're both paying a lot of money. Yeah, but I, I think it would take sizably more than Pascal. You got to really sweeten that pot, I think. Okay, fair. Um, I mean, I, I can. I mean, I, I was going to throw in maybe maybe OG in there, but but I think o, o, OG and Siakam would I think definitely do it. I would I would I would imagine. But what the hell? That and some picks man, maybe. Yeah. That and maybe you know a handful of of like juicy picks on the line. I just yeah. see that. Okay. Third question: What would you give the Celtics for Robert, Robert Williams right now? What would I give for Robert Williams? He's long, he's athletic, he's young, he can block shots, he has a high ceiling. R- I know Robert not, Williams I, does not solve uh, too many of our problems. So really, you don't think so? You think he can anchor, uh, anchor, or better uh, be a better defensive anchor? I mean, he, uh, sure. Like, I mean, is he better than most bigs we have right now? Yes. Does he change the equation to the point where the Raptors directionally change their season? No. Don't think so. Okay. I mean, is there any is there any center out there that you can actually like without so without moving uh, this? I guess this is a uh, third question. Like Vucevic, Vucevic. Really? I mean, I, I'd look at Vucevic. Oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah, really? I mean, I, I'm talking about realistic centers. I mean, not I'm, I'm Anthony Davis is the answer to my question, but I'm no, talking no, no. about I mean, really, realistically. Yeah. But see, even Vuce, like, I guess he's not a bad defender, but he, he might be a lot of Jonas. A lot of like Jonas, except for the three point shot. You don't think like a guy like uh, I can't think of anybody. Because Dwayne Dedman sucks now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, Vucci, which is is, is is might fit in nicely because the Raptors de- definitely do need uh, some uh, three point shooting from the from the big position. They're not. That would be great for you guys. Hmm? Kim Birch and Rashawn Holmes. I know they're ungettable because they're they're on good contracts for their teams. Nobody's gonna just give them away. But a player like that, rim runs, can play a little defense, block shots, stay in the dunker area and, and crash the boards. I know it's not great. And I'm you're saying it won't even you don't think it would turn the season around. I the way I look at it is now you now you make the other bigs fall into a natural order. And so now instead of having to worry about, you know, you know, you'd you'd have Baines back in his 15 minutes a night versus 20, 23 minutes a night. You'd have you know, you can platoon him and Boucher back. I don't know. You don't think that would really change well, things? I, 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 I'm, I'm going to go back to your earlier, the point that you made about, I mean, the lack of a tentpole, a tentpole. player, right? Yeah. I mean, if yeah. that's what our goal is, 
Like, why are we wasting time like with with riffraff? I mean, <laughs> frankly, I mean, th- these are decent players, but I mean, if you know what this is? Here, why are you shooting here? You know what this is? This is when you have a, you've had a taste of the very best. <laughs> And now you don't even want to worry about team building at the lower levels. You're like, no, no, no. I don't, I don't want to go from because right now they're bad. They're like really bad. You're like, yeah. I don't want to go from bad to middle of the pack. You're like, I just want to go from bad to top of the heap. And I, I think sometimes it's maybe little steps. I think everyone looks so much better with a real defensive center behind them. I think everything kind of rejiggers and kind of resets to where it's supposed to be. And that kind of reinvigorates the team. That's, and that's that's where I'm coming from. Where I'm thinking my moves like little moves like that. So I don't know. You know what, James? Man, I th- I think that that's a that's a fantastic point. And I think maybe that's the dose of reality and sensibility that the rap that that Raptor fans need to swallow right now is is to take a good hard look at wh- where the team is and what the potential next move. Maybe our mindset, as you said, shouldn't be Beal or Harden or these guys. It's how do you retool with decent contracts and you become good over over a number of two, three years, maybe instead of getting a quick fix like we did with Kawhi. I think maybe maybe, maybe that's the maybe that's where we uh, land in this conversation is maybe kind of set our eyes a little bit lower. Although it feels kind of giving up on a dream, but there'll but be more. Tasted days. it. You've tasted it, and now even though everybody understood, he's only over here for a minute. You won the championship, and everybody understands. But you want it again, and you want it so badly. So I can feel you. Um, but yeah, man, it's just I feel like again the energy around that team was so positive and happy last year. Even you know, even hey, you took the Celtics down to the strips and the, the stripping down to the studs, and you got the right there. And I thought coming through this year, everyone would kind of ride that wave. But it almost feels like everything's kind of unraveling from two years ago. Yeah. And it's such a it's, and and you know it's so simple when you look at it. Like you said it. You just lost your two star, your two centers, and you replace them with with Aaron Baines and more of a, a skinny three point shooting Chris Chris Boucher. That that might be the that that to me seems to be like the defining thing. So I I really feel if somehow Toronto could find a defensive, even like I said, just even a Clint Capella would do wonders, mm-hmm. do wonders. I think for for how you feel right now, because yeah. then the Raptors will actually look like a team again that wants to play basketball. Well, the return of Bismack Biombo. How about that? Oh my God! Oh God! <laughs> James, man, thank you so much for coming on, taking some time to talk to us, man. Uh, looking forward to your work. Uh, follow James uh, on the screen. You see Snotty Drippin'. Great. How'd you come up with that name? I love that. Love that handle. Uh, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big Scotty Pippen fan back in yeah. the day. You know, uh, same so here, most- man. I, I, I had the uh, Nike Airs with the big AIR with the black and white That's shoes. It. I mean, those are my shoes back back then, man. I'm pretty sure most of your listeners might already know me from the whole Temecula fiasco. So, <laughs> you know, that was me. And so, uh, yeah. So, do, do, do you think uh, Pippen got a fair shake in the uh, in the documentary? I think so. I, I know he didn't like the way he came off. But I mean, I don't think they dogged him. I mean, it, everything they said was true. Yeah, I remember the I remember the headache game. You know, I remember the migraines. I remember he came through when they needed him. So he played with a bad back. I, I thought. I know he didn't like it, but. I thought, you know, Pippen was great. Michael Jordan was just greater. Yeah. You know, when you play with you play with MJ, you play with MJ. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody kind of accepted that. Yeah. All right. James, thanks, man. You the man, bro. Thanks for having me on.